I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch has gone well beyond the boundaries of prudence and good taste. This is going to be a revenge for an episode that we didn't release. So we did an episode of Pod's Not Dead that had some technical issues for a movie called The Shack. And about 50% of that podcast was us singing uh, The Shack to the tune of Love Shack. So it was The Shack, baby. A true shame. The Shack, baby. A true shame that that piece of art could not get released (laughs) onto the world. But Spider Baby? Santa Baby? Let's do it all episode. Plus, it's truly the Magnificent Ampersons of podcasts, you know? Uh, Yeah, and only one person had audio issues, so we could potentially still release (laughs) a very mangled (laughs) version with one person's uh, missing, which would be a very confusing conversation. But yes, thank you for joining us. Uh, It's our third week of The Family That Eats Together Stays Together, movies about uh, families who eat human beings in this joyous time of Thanksgiving. And we're on our third week. Uh, and we're doing a little movie called Spider Baby. Spider Baby. Spider Ready Baby. Spider Baby does tonight. whatever a spider baby does. <laughs> can she stab people, male men? Yes, she can. Very sad. Look out. It's the Spider Baby. There goes my Spider Baby. There she comes now. You know what? Uh, true story. Baby mentioned a lot of songs. Are Potential song parodies tonight are endless. Yeah. Ooh, Spider Baby, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Every day. Except when you're killing me. Yeah. So, yes, if you've never heard us before, you probably already (laughs) turned this off. But what we love to watch, we're a movie podcast that uh, does four movies based around a similar theme. And if we remember, we compare and contrast. I already mentioned the month and the movie because we did it out of order uh, because it's a it's this is like the primer of podcasts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Figure it out. Telling more through our fractured narrative. Yeah. Figure it out. Uh, and we have no guest, so <laughs> this is going to be just a big Saunders piece of big piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> as you can already tell, uh, we're not on our best behavior. <laughs> yeah, we're bad, bad boys. So, Pete, we we don't have an opening segment. No opie seggies. No opie seggies because we already record another partial podcast before recording this. Um, so let's just ask a couple off the wall questions um, about things that are related to this month, like hey. Mm-hmm. Have you eaten anyone since last week's episode? I feel like that would be relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, have I eaten anyone? Man, that's it's really hard to to think about. Well, I went to this um, really great chili place in the south, and um, the guy kept saying things like, "You know, uh, you're gonna get a load of this guy," and he kept pointing to his friend that didn't have an arm. Um. He kept saying things like, yeah, this guy's a real mouthful. And he pointed again to the guy with no arm. And I was like, well, what uh, what are we doing here? But it was really good chili. So sounds like you just went to a Wendy's, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. They're, nation, they're nationwide. Uh, yeah. and, they're, 
And they're chilies. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're nationwide chilies. Do you know their chilies reconstitute burger meat into their chili? Oh. Isn't that something? Does chili actually serve chili? I don't I don't remember the last time I've been to a chili's and I don't really like chili. Chili it's spider baby ribs. Spider baby <laughs> back ribs. <laughs> Thank you. So, I'm so glad I set you up and then you didn't sing. Um, so Well, I said it so quick before you had yeah. a chance. I tried to steal yeah. your joke. So have you eaten anyone recently? Outside the bedroom, of yeah. My wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got a regular oh. anti-DJ Khaled over here. Uh, we're going to just be a college DJ show. Uh, I think this is the most... <laughs> This is a college DJ show. College DJs yeah. on a radio show. I think this is the best movie for that, to be honest. We can do all the all the characters. We can do the kind of pervy uncle. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he, he'd be like, let me, let me give you a little taste of his character. Hey, um, just uh, don't have a distinctive voice. <laughs> Are you talking about Uncle Peter? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like Uncle Peter, but we'll get to that later. Uh, he's, he's a big fucking dumbass. <laughs> And he's kind of a an asshole. Is he? The, yeah, the kind of the end of the movie where he's like, but everyone died. I got their money, though, so it's all pretty oh, yeah, much yeah, worked yeah. out for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, uh, it's like, and my wife and I have never been happier to pants the wife. And she's, like, sitting, staring into nothing, pouring big drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quite question the home life, I'm going to be honest. Uh, he's, he's like a parody. He's great. He's like a parody of the 1950s, like, what? Yeah. White clueless yeah. dork. And yeah, this, mo- this movie's great. Yeah, well, so, but we're not talking about them yet. We'll do that in the proper no, we're show. Talking about, we're talking about our radio mm-hmm. show characters. Mm-hmm, your radio show characters. For um, Spider, for our Spider Baby themed podcast. Um, we are turning into a little bit of a shock jock cast. How long do you think that we're going to have to talk to, like, stumble into an actually good bit that we can milk for five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think well, it's honestly half hour, forty minutes? How long yeah. are we gonna go before we're like, well, there was five minutes of usable stuff there at the end? You know, they say uh, you give a, a room full of chimps a bunch of typewriters, and they'll eventually write uh, write Shakespeare. Um, we're operating with chimps with broken hands. So yeah, so it's the third week in November. Peter, what's going on in your life? Probably. <laughs> Um, what's probably going on in my life is I am just excited about politics in one way or another. I'm probably feeling pretty... You either, you either uh, have a boner or an inside boner. Yeah, then. I'm pretty happy mad right now. Um, well, I'm erect no matter what. But what I would say is that I'm getting ready, go home, back to Chicago suburbs via... Planes, trains, and or automobiles. You go back for Thanksgiving? I go back for the big Thanksgiving. I mean, technically, this is coming out, I believe, two days before Thanksgiving. I better be home already uh, to get the big... Uh, Would you say you're like a Jonathan Taylor Thomas in that you'll be home for Christmas, except in this case, Thanksgiving? I would say yes. I love referencing movies that probably made $1.7 million at the box office. (laughs) Tops. And I'm only aware of it from the video cassette clamshell that was at the video store uh, i've seen the film and let me tell you oh you've something. seen it um, how would you I've, rank I've it seen the film how would you rank it let's quickly rank jonathan taylor thomas movies best to worst um it's better than man of the house everything's better than man of the house man of the house is one of the worst pieces of shit i've ever seen um, um hold on i'm gonna give you all the movies and then you can rank them 
So really, we're only going to count the 90s ones, because after that, it gets, well, very sad. Okay, so Lion King, probably number one. And then here's your four, five options for number two. Man of the House, Tom and Huck, The Adventures of Pinocchio, Wild America, and I'll Be Home for Christmas. And then after that, that's, that's the end. That is the end. Uh, they had to put him back with the other Taylor Thomases in their tomb below the earth, and it's really sad. Um, yep, he was only able to get out to record the Tangerine Bear Home in Time for Christmas, where he played Tangy. Well, <laughs> just the voice. He's 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 got to come back as Tangy. I mean, it doesn't matter what's going on in his life. He better. He better be back. I think it's the Tangier. first Tangerine the Bear movie. He, he had a big Christmas year in 2000. Does anyone ever talk about Jonathan Taylor Thomas's Christmas TV career in 2000? Yeah. I certainly don't. You have the Tangerine Bear home time for Christmas where he plays Tangy. I'm Tangier. assuming main character. You just have to assume. Well, yeah. I mean, he's, he's probably the Tangerine Bear, right? Well, do you think Tangerine Bear, because that's a long name to call him. Do you think he goes by Tangy? I would imagine. I mean, most most of these guys, uh, these these bears these days, they've got they go by a nickname, you know. So ever, they seem more approachable. Um, Here's when the you thing: approach them. That's really what. That's really when you get yourself into a big pickle. Uh, yeah, no, it looks like everything I'm seeing here. Jenna Elfman plays Lorelai. Howie Mandel plays Jack. David mm. Hyde Pierce plays Bird. Tom Bosley plays Mister Winkle. <laughs> John and then Trisha Yearwood's the narrator. I, I that, that's the only one that makes sense in the Tangerine Bear based on that character. How's your um, random '90s name generator working out for you? Because none of this is real. So also in 2000, you think being Tangy's not good enough? I think being Tangy is. Well, uh, well hold on to your fucking socks, a Peter. Ta- it's a because, dream for his career because he was in another movie where he also plays the title character. It's called Timothy Tweedle, the first Christmas elf. He pays Timothy Tweedle. Mm-hmm. This one also has a red link on Wikipedia, so you know it's good. When I clicked on it right now, it said the page has not been created, and then it gave me an option to create page. <laughs> I'm going to hit no thanks. I'm in the middle of something Wikipedia, but man, Wikipedia desperate for someone to make that Wikipedia page on Timothy Tweedle, the first Christmas elf. Apparently, Jonathan Taylor Thomas walked away from his fame, and he wanted to talk to uh, People Magazine about it. Um, he appears. To <laughs> does he wait hot. first? Does he mention Timothy Tweedle or Tangy, his two most beloved characters, based on the specific criteria of being a Christmas movie that came out in the year two thousand that was not released to theaters? You know, he hints at Tangy, but I think the fans really prefer the mystery of Tangy. They don't People really- like, yeah, it's kind of like uh, John C. Riley not talking about, uh, yeah, not talking about Steve Brule. It's Lion King, Man of the House, Huck and Finn, Pinocchio, and uh, Man-, Man of the House. So I've only seen Sorry, two. Sorry, I did that completely wrong. Let me do that again. Yeah, you did Man it's of the House Lion like King, eight times. It's, it's Lion <laughs> King, I'll Be Home for Christmas, Huck and Finn, Pinocchio, Man of the House. It's called Tom and Huck. Bottom. I've only seen three of them, so I'm going to go Lion King, Tom and you're Huck, and... You're not going to be singing that tune when you see Tangy. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then number three, I'd go, yeah, probably Man of the House, the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Man of the House is uh, is one of those movies that I think was made just to convince Hollywood, like, yeah, you, you can give up on this Chevy Chase guy. 
So, I think this is a natural transition to talk about Spider-Baby. And I think I'm predicting a good seven minutes somewhere in there. You know, times you think, like this... I you like think we get it up to eight? Eight? I don't know. You think seven's our top on that? Baby, baby, baby. Oh, you're a spider. No. You, there's better... What what song were you doing? Uh, it's a Justin Bieber song. Were you doing baby, 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 oh, baby? Uh, oh, spider, baby, you. You got what I need. You say you spider, baby, spider. got back, and I cannot lie. <laughs> we really, really need to move on. All right, let's talk about Spider, baby. Let's talk about Spider, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I hope that's funny. That's I think I think I think I'm sure I will take out like ten minutes, but I do <laughs> I think it'll be pretty good. Dreams and bones and bats and bones and teenage monsters in haunted homes, a ghost on the stair, a vampire's bite. Better beware, <laughs> there's a full moon tonight. Boys and ghouls having a ball. <laughs> Frankenstein, Dracula, and even the mummy are sure to end up in somebody's tummy. <laughs> All right, alternate taglines. Um, Spider Baby. Hurry down the chimney for me. <laughs> I had, ooh, child, things are going to get spookier. <laughs> uh, this this movie is crazy. I love this movie. Movie's insane. Yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you love it as much as I did. I think this is one of those movies I bullied you into into watching. Um, Last October, oh, I, so I have one more, I, I have one more uh, uh, alternate tagline. Yeah. Um, no dessert until you eat your mailman, dear. Nailed it. Glad we glad we saved room for that Thanks. one. You get it? Like a Thanks. dessert? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'll, actually, I'll frame this up a little before you do your plot recap. So I did watch it for last Spooktober. Here's the thing, Peter. And this is kind of what I want to avoid this Spooktober or the Spooktober that just happened because of when we're recording this uh, in September. Spooktober passed. Spooktober passed. But the last year, the 2017 Spooktober... I was looking over my list of everything I watched for it, and I saved some of the movies that I was looking forward to the most for that last week, and I don't remember a lot of the movies that well that I saw that last week. I don't know if I was horror movie overloaded, but I was looking at that like, yeah, I know I liked the church, but what the fuck happened in the church again? Where yeah. like, where like the stuff I saw in week one, week two, week three, even movies I know I liked less, I have a very clear memory of them. And Spider-Baby was one of the ones I think I saved for Halloween night. So I remembered a lot of this. I didn't remember the ending. I was like, I know something awesome and crazy happens at the ending. I had no memory of the specifics to the point that what happened, I didn't even like. I'm like, oh, yeah, was that it? So I I hope that the, the Spooktober you just heard a few weeks ago, I hope I reevaluate them a little more because – Maybe I shouldn't save the ones that I'm most looking forward to for the last week, because if I do suffer another 
dangerous spooktober overload. <laughs> I don't want it to be on the movies that like I like the most. And then I remember like some shitty two star anthology that I watched just for the heck of it. Like, <laughs> like it's like the back of my hand. Yeah. <clears throat> the pacing, the pacing on a spooktober is just so crucial. No, I, uh, I don't know why, but yeah, spider baby. So in some ways this was a rewatch for me, but in other ways it was like getting to watch it kind of removed from the two other horror movies I watched that day, I guess would be a good way to frame it up. So anyway, Peter, what the fuck happens in this movie? What the fuck happens in this movie? Indeed, it opens with and and is framed by uh, our hero, Uncle Peter, a dumb, white, clueless dork who's a little lovable. Like most Peters, how... I know, to be honest. Thank you. Thank you. And that's um, none of that was not a description of me. It was all very clearly. I was all uh, look, Peter, you're too hard on yourself. I was only talking about the uncle part. I should have been more clear. You are an you. uncle. That's what I meant. Thank most you. most Peters are uncles. <laughs> yeah, a monkey's <laughs> uncle. <laughs> oh, nailed it. Keep going. I'm gonna catch you in my spider web. Um <laughs> the the movie Spider Baby opens with a and is framed by a uh, guy named uh, Peter. Uh, who is sitting in his house telling the speaking to the camera and telling us about a, a strange affliction that fell upon this Mary family that he is uh, distantly, distantly related to. Um, not so distant, though. They suffer an affliction wherein uh, once you reach the age of 10, you start to grow backwards, grow more violent, more feral, and then you even go past zero into a pre-human state a feral sort of like cannibalistic savagery and uh, if that doesn't tell you what kind of movie this is like get the fuck on board and so we uh we he says you know no one is left in the mary family but here's how that story panned out Peter and his evil money-grubbing sister are uh, headed towards the the Mary estate, which is this, like, decrepit old mansion. Also in tow is a lawyer and his young assistant. I believe that's who Anne is. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And they're all, all four of them are headed towards this estate where the Mary family is. The Mary family has no current patriarch who died and passed off the reins to Bruno, who was the chauffeur. No, no blood relation, but basically has taken on the role of being the father of the family. The, the patriarch uh, has, has taken them, takes them to uh, the family to medical trips and you know, gives them some schooling and some moral lessons and, and such. And they looked up to him as, as that father figure uh, under his... His, his wing is our two women, um, Virginia, the, the titular spider baby, and Elizabeth. Virginia is the titular spider baby. She likes to capture people in nets and then stab them with two butcher knives as if they're fangs. And um, Elizabeth sort of slaps her on the wrist for that. But Elizabeth also has a taste for blood. And then there's Ralph, played by Sid Haig, who is uh, older. And so further along that sort of uh, mental degradation uh, or deterioration, I should say. Um, so he's more mentally challenged. Believe it, do, it doesn't it doesn't doesn't help that they dress him like in a beanie. They're, they're really leaning all into, I guess you're regressing. Yeah, yeah. He's um so he's he's he can barely talk. 
Um, and he's, they, even though he's an older brother, they sort of treat him like almost like the baby of the family. And, and also I think Elizabeth is younger than Virginia. So Elizabeth ends up more weirdly enough becoming the one that's in charge when Bruno is not at the estate. He's running errands or whatever for the family. Uh, and then there's also a mysterious uncle. Just referenced. And they mentioned the dad too. Uncle Ned, yes. Uh, and the father's dead, whatever. Bruno made a – basically made a promise that he would keep this whole family in check while um, while the dad was dead. Bruno loves this family, like loves them to death, will do anything for them despite the fact that they are murderers. They, they kill and hunt animals. They kill and hunt people. The movie opens with uh, them murdering a mailman who's delivering a letter. And Bruno more or less gives Virginia a slap on the wrist. Like, he doesn't even send her to a room. Like, he's just like, you're not supposed to do that. Like, you're not... I, I gotta I gotta keep you, this family in check. They learn that these these money-grubbing cousins are coming in to, to take over the estate, take the kids away from Bruno, maybe get them into an asylum, or even on public display, which is all against the orders that Bruno received from the dead patriarch of the family, the former dead patriarch of the family. Bruno uh, sort of realizes as this family imposes, these, these awful cousins start to impose on the family um, that... They're going to take the house. They're going to the take money. the house. They're going to push him out. They're going to basically take these kids away from the house and, and they're going to sell the house or do whatever needs to be done. And this family is wants to stay the night. They want to um, have a dinner a made for them. There's like a 20 minute dinner scene. And they're very much imposing. Yeah. And they're very rude. Peter is the most polite of them and is mostly quiet. Peter's mostly polite. Like he's eating the food. He's like, yeah, that's awesome. Oh, you guys are. You guys are vegetarians, huh? Just like Raw, they're vegetarians um, because apparently eating meat angers up the blood and gets that cannibalism going on a little faster. Uh, but speeding along, basically the girls realize the threat and start murdering the lawyer. Yep. They try to, uh, they try to murder uh, the, the uh, cousin and Emily and Peter and Anne are off in town while this is happening. Getting drunk at a restaurant. Yeah. Drinking yeah, and yeah. driving. Yeah, they're basically falling in love, but also like young, dumb love, like where they're just like, they're just getting drunk and flirting and hanging out in cars and stuff. Would you say they're riding in cars with boys? They're riding in cars with boys. I'm always riding in cars with boys because I'm a boy. Uh, oh, I thought it meant that? all the dead children in your trunk. <laughs> I didn't even think about it that way, but yeah, there are a lot of dead kids in my trunk. More than you'd expect. More that came with the car, for sure. <laughs> that, is, that is a real funny thing. Have you considered being a stand-up comedian? <laughs> no. Okay, um, but basically the uh, the girls um, start to pick away at the family. Uh, and then uh, they, they torture Peter. They torture Peter. Peter breaks free. Bruno has decided... <laughs> Only, he can, only one he, solution. He cannot. He's very psyched about. <laughs> he can't. He cannot run away from the, the the problems. He loves the family too much. He decided the only solution is a mass suicide of the whole family. Uh, he tells Peter and Anne to get out of the house. Uh, they get out, and then the house blows up. With- oh, and they also run into the uncle and the aunt who are living in the basement. And they're throwing dead bodies too. Yeah, the uncle and the aunt are uh, weird, super feral, like, monster people that, like, I think... Missing half their face. Yeah, they try and eat Bruno seconds before they they die. And, uh, yeah, that's Spider Baby. That took a very long time because it is a... 80-minute movie. movie that's very... It's very character-based. Yeah. It's 
It's not just like, oh, this guy wants the money. This guy wants this. Like, th- th- there's specific motivations running through all the characters that makes it so much more fun than just like a movie about a weird family. I think it was fine. The plot recap was long because you know what I say, Peter. A thousand times. Can't get enough of Spider Baby. That is what you say. I say it all the time. All the time, which is right now. Now is the only time. I love you, Spider Baby. And if it's quite all right, I need you, Spider Baby. I'll spider your baby. So, Peter, I already said how I watched this for the first time. So, let me just say this. I think there's something wrong with this family. (laughs) (laughs) There's just some. This family is up to no. They should have called this movie There's Something About Mary's. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't. You did. I, I did it. I did it. <laughs> what uh, a rascal. This guy is a rascal. So, Peter, what, what, what was your experience? So, obviously, you recommended this And then I want to cripple you hard. and you have to use a rascal scooter. <laughs> no. Well, then I'll be a little rascal because I won't be standing. Classic. Uh, <laughs> no riding any roller coasters now. Um, <laughs> what? The, anyway. Because you'll be too short to go below the height because you'll be on the rascal. Well, also, I'm on the rascal. I think they're going to look at that first. I don't think they're going to bother measuring me. But anyway, mm. just, you know, just giving some scientific knowledge in there. Uh, Peter, you obviously already love this. So uh, when did you see this? I'm guessing age five, six. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it at age five or six. And I learned that um, it was a documentary about my family. Um, and... What I didn't talk about in the recap is that at the end they reveal that Peter does carry the genes somehow. Maybe it was dormant for his generation. And yeah. that his children. His one also, child. His one child is going to be old spider baby. And um, we were taught that that was um, my mother hmm. and that this was the story of my family. Heartwarming. Yeah. Uh, no, I saw this movie, A Spooktober Past, and it, oh. was, uh, it was one of those movies that I've been wanting to see for years because people talked up how fucking nuts it is. Yeah. It is truly a bug nuts weird movie, and it was filmed in 1964. So, yeah, let's start there because this, this movie so, is way too crazy and violent to be a movie from that early in the 60s. It is, and it's even before, even when it came out. So, it came out in 1967. Night of the Living Dead which some people talked about on this show, but very specifically not me, is a movie that, um, like, Roger Ebert was talking about, like, how extreme the movie was for a horror movie. And it was kind of a cultural phenomenon on the backs of, like, hey, this is, like, a real horror movie. This is not Universal Monsters. This is not, um, oh, this is kind of, ooh, scary house on Haunted Hill. Like, people are getting eaten. There's blood. Um, you know, there's, there's some very adult concepts and like Night of the Living Dead is almost kind of credited at least with like mainstreaming and making kind of changing the direction of horror films. And then, you know, a bunch of other ones would come at least in the United States. And if you look at that, like list of all the horror movies ever made that they have on Letterboxd and you look at the films in the United States up until about the time of Night of the Living Dead, it is a dearth of anything that you would call scary. It is fun, goofy horror movies with horrific concepts but the the actual scary ones are few and far between give or take some in the 20s and 30s i think and also uh, there's carnival souls and the innocence and such but there's it's it's um and cat people has its moments it's yeah i'm not saying there's not exceptions but it, but it is more about this concept is so horrifying to the the mores of the time but carnival of souls and i think those other ones they're not like 
graphic. Carnival of Souls rules. I love that movie. And Cat People is awesome, too. But this is, even if it's not showing a lot of blood, it's really graphic in its depiction of content in the same way I think Night of Living Dead was. So it's interesting that this was made four years before, came out the year before. I doubt George Romero saw this before that, but it really feels of a piece with like a new generation of low budget uh, horror filmmakers in the same way that we give Romero similar credit. And the director is Jack Hill, who went on to be a pretty famous uh, exploitation director specifically. Uh, He did work with Corman a little bit. Uh, He had a falling out with Corman that ended up giving Stephanie Rothman her first chance, who's a a woman horror director. She did Humanoids of the Deep, right? Yeah, and she's she's a uh, she's an interesting uh, she's an interesting character, and she was like one of those those horror directors who um, got their chance basically because Jack Hill fucked up and had a falling out with Corman, but Corman gave all sorts of interesting people a chance. Uh, but Jack Hill, yeah, um, Foxy Brown, yes, coffee. Foxy Brown and Coffee. I just watched Coffee for the first time. Coffee kicks ass. It's a really like rough and tumble exploitation movie. It's it is not agree with any of the political mores of today. I won't say it's politically incorrect because that's sort of like loaded, but it's, it does not agree with with how you usually would make a movie now. And it kicks so much ass. Um, he, he made he made really direct exploitation movies. Well, hold on. We should we should mention, though, the what was the but movie she, that he had his had his falling out with Corman about because it's previously been brought up. Just a scant two and a half months ago. It wasn't um, Burn the Devil. That was... Well, you're looking it up. I hear you're typing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm looking it up. Um, the Terror. The movie that opens um, Targets. Oh, the movie yes. that famously he fired the director. Uh, and we talked about it a little bit on that episode. And then he tried to put it together. Jack Nicholson's in it. A bunch of other people are in it. And, you know, it's kind of considered his worst movie. And... Uh, as I mentioned on the documentary, everyone makes fun of him about what a shitty movie that was. And the whole reason that it was in Targets was he was trying to make his money back because it was such a disaster of a movie. <laughs> so that was Jack Hill. That's a fun that's a fun connection. Jack Jack Hill also had a falling out with Corman over the direction of Bloodbath. And that was the one that was It was probably within the same month with the way that Corman worked yeah and that was the one that was actually handed over to stephanie stephanie rothman and people got it her the real director because he barely had directed any of it um and yeah that's it's it's a jack hill had a very interesting career as an exploitation director both in the corman verse and also in his black exploitation verse but this is kind of this wasn't necessarily where he got started because his uh the movie the the distributors got went bankrupt before this movie could ever really come out and then it came out under like liver eaters and it's got a lot of titles yeah and even in the opening of this movie, it has another title. It like doesn't. The baddest story ever told, which yeah. is riffing off the greatest story ever told, um, which shows you the sort of like pranksterish element that he's gonna he's gonna go after in this movie. He names the he names the fucking lawyer Mister Schlocker. Like, can we let's pause in lawyer for a second? They've been talking about remaking this movie, which I'd be fine with. Whatever, I don't, maybe it'll be good. A lot of horror remakes are actually very good. So fine, do it. And when they're not, they disappear. I, 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 yeah, 
There's been very few that I've disliked that have actually stuck around. Yeah, no, they go away pretty quick. Uh, I bet you could name, if I gave you all the money in the world, how many Texas Chainsaw Massacre remakes there's been in the last ten years. Because no one knows. No one knows and no one cares. I think one had uh, Jessica Biel, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, if they remake this movie, the person who needs to play the lawyer, like, needs to. Like, I was almost convinced... A time-traveling version of this person went back in time and was in this movie <laughs> is... Can you, can you guess what I'm going to say? Um, it's, it's not... When I say it, you're going to go, holy shit. Fink, right? What? Not the dude from Miller's Crossing and Barney... Barney no, no, Fink, no, no, right? no, 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 no. No, look, he's kind of a skinny, skinny, skinny-ish short guy. Skinny-ish short guy. It's not Danny DeVito. Um, no. <laughs> You're really uh, leaning into the short part, though. Oh, Tom Cruise. Skinniest short guy. Got no. it. Tom Cruise. Uh, Charlie Day. Charlie Day. Like, it feels like, even like his posture, it feels like when Charlie Day is pretending to be a lawyer and like moving his arms more and stuff like that, and it's always sunny, and he kind of looks like him. Start talking about bird law. Yeah. I mean, like, if he if he put on Charlie, because this lawyer has a Hitler mustache. Um Yeah. Don't need to dig on that. It was 1964. Seems a little weird. But whatever. I don't know if it was the actor. I don't know if it was Jack Hill. Like, this will really... Let's be clear. This lawyer's kind of a bad guy. Um, But regardless, you put a Hitler mustache on Charlie Day, put him in black and white, I think he looks exactly like this lawyer and all of his mannerisms match. I'm suddenly sold on the idea of uh, of this remake, and I'm going to give you $50 to do it. $50, 1964 money? So that we're consistent with the era. I mean, I can read the back of the bills, but I think that it's. I th- I think some of them would be older. I mean, it'd be kind of. Ri- uh, I don't think. It would I be- meant more like adjusting for inflation, not what year the bill was printed. Oh, oh, um, no, no I would probably give you fifty dollars in today's money. Sold. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Get her done. Um, yeah, that's I, I, you suddenly sold me on this idea, and I think that you could make this movie is a horror comedy. It's poking fun at a genre, at the genre. It's teasing specific aspects. It's very very self aware for its time. It feels like like yeah, it is very yeah, funny. It's self aware, but it's also pushing the envelope for what these kind of horror movies are. What's the funniest part to you? Let's see. I really, really love how um, I really, really love the dinner scene where they're just being served like just disgusting things. And then. Uh, oh, yeah. The salad a, that is clearly like wild tumble, grass tumbleweed. Like tumbleweed. That yeah. <laughs> and she just like she doesn't even need the prongs, but she uses two prongs to just pick up like a clump of, of like dried grass and put it on the girl's plate. And then the asshole, the asshole cousin. um Emily is just like eating like a, ch- a chocolate bar and chips out of her purse. <laughs> like that whole scene is so good. Yeah, the whole dinner scene is is great. There is a moment though that like I I was dying laughing, like actually laughing out loud. Because the last 20 minutes of this movie, which maybe we get into now, but really erupts into chaos, but there's a part where the uncle and aunt that you're not sure if actually exists finally burst out of the basement and then bite into Forget who they eat immediately. Emily? I'm going to say Emily. I think they eat Emily right away. 
and Emily right away because Emily's getting her revenge on Ralph, and then she gets revenge by blinding Ralph, and then she ends yeah. up getting grabbed and pulled into the pit as the reveal of the Uncle Ned and Aunt whatever. Yeah, so when Uncle Ned come out and they bite into Emily, kind of, and you know they're deformed, they push Emily down. And you're just left with Virginia and her sister, and they both just look at the camera directly and shrug, which is so good. It is like, yeah, this movie has gotten pretty fucking nuts right now, so whatever. Like, it's so good. I love it. I love how, yeah, I love how self-aware the movie is, and it it, it is a pre-John Waters, John Waters thing. It's 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 a movie that is jubilant trash, and it celebrates bad taste, and... I, I love it for that. I love that it's it's a very funny comedy that has has both a love for the genre. It's it's like we're gonna make a real horror movie, but we're also gonna make a horror movie that teases horror movies. Well, I don't really like. I mean, a real horror movie for the time, especially like you know these are some these are some disturbing, horrific. Uh, concepts in a way that most horror movies like it's a ghost the ghost has taken over the castle i've rented this is like oh yeah these are products of incest who have a brain that's melting away and they eat people and they have like deformed relatives in the basement and they have like a dead body they kiss goodnight and call daddy like it's fucked up and the scene where virginia is trying to seduce uncle peter while she's trying to eat him is like very much a that feels very ahead of its time that sort of mixing of the of sex and terror that yeah. that feels like something that like wouldn't really be developed until like later into the 70s after like audiences through adult films and just through like laxing standards had grown more accustomed to outward sexual advances from women yeah um and that whole that whole sequence. Well, and also not so recognizing it. Like, he takes a while to recognize what's going on, partially because he's drunk, but also because, again, that you, you mentioned um, the misogyny aspect. Like, he doesn't see her as an actual threat because she's just a little girl playing a game. That's, like, his words. Yeah, and it's – um, and, and Peter is so game for this whole thing, partially because he's very stupid, and it makes him more charming to me because he's like he eats the gross ass rabbit without complaining, and he eats everything on the table. He eats the mushrooms without complaining, even though after Bruno like sort of hints that they might be poison. <laughs> um, and all of them are so desocialized, like the all of the 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 Mary family and Bruno included are so desocialized that like they have no idea how to talk to like. Or present to normal folk, so to speak, especially not rich normal folk. Yeah. And I, I love that Peter is just like along for the ride. Yeah, he's a little more like whatever. This is – yeah, he's very he's very along for the ride. He's very – he's not judgy in a way that everyone else is. Like, I put isn't judgmental in, in my notes. Yeah, they're, I mean they go out of their way to make Emily the lawyer – it's, well, those two especially, because Anna is just kind of the assistant. They they are not just terrible to people of – their family of lesser means. But, like, who the fuck goes to a house? He's like, even if they're your cousins, even if you're going to take the house away, fine. You demand to sleep there. It's your house. You don't want to pay for a hotel because you're going to steal it from them. Great. That all makes sense. But then who's like, where the fuck's our dinner? You haven't prepared a dinner for four additional people? 
and then being super judgy about what they come up with in a short period of time. Like, those are pretty ridiculous expectations, I think, for anyone to have at that point. Peter even wants to stay in the car when Emily is uh, going up to the door to the house. He's like, He's like, if you're so, you know, intent on suing these people, you're going to do it alone because I'm not going in there and treating these people like garbage, Um, which makes you like like him. But also the fact that he's kind of like still still kind of sleazy. He's a sleazy dude. He's an he's an interesting character because he's like you're you don't take him seriously as a hero, even for a second, even when he's running out of the house that's about to blow up. You don't take him seriously as a hero. He's just like bumbling fool. He's dumb. He seems to have a decent heart, but also, like, he doesn't really seem to have a a solid moral conscience. Yeah, well, at the end, like, I get it. He didn't cause any of the chaos. And you're right. Like, he was like, yeah, let's let him stay. We'll make sure you get treated fairly. Like, but there is something about the end when he's when it goes back to him, the giant smirk on his face when he's like, well, I ended up actually pretty head in all this, didn't I? (laughs) Like, it is like, yeah, okay, maybe maybe you didn't do anything. You were not trying to steal the house or at least not as overtly steal the house as emily and the lawyer but you are pretty fucking proud of yourself in a very like smug frustrating way yeah so we didn't talk about the one of the biggest things we haven't talked a lot about it yeah for for probably people older than either of us which is that fucking bruno is lon cheney jr yeah we didn't talk about that at all so lon cheney jr played the wolfman obviously son of lon cheney um but he did, he played the Wolfman in a lot of the most famous iterations of the character. He and he he was um, Wolfman and the Wolfman in Abbott and Costello. Uh, meet the Wolfman, Frankenstein. Meet the Wolfman. Um, or no, Abbott and Costello versus Dracula. What's the movie? Abbott and Costello versus Dracula. That's they the didn't one. verse anyone. They met a lot of people. Yeah, they they uh, they uh, zoinked them or they uh, baba buoyed them. They didn't necessarily versus yeah. them. Uh, did they? They zipped them for sure. Oh, did they zag them? They zagged. They zigged. Um, they they probably did a little bit of uh uh-huh to them as well. The um, hardest of insults. Yeah, they're. They're interesting people, Abbott and Costello, but they but they met Lon Chaney. But Lon Chaney does reference. Yeah, it was called uh, Abbott, Abbott and Costello versus Lon Chaney. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, and that was a movie that got back a lot of the the uh, original Universal actors to play their their uh, monster characters. And he uh, so he would have been very recognizable to audiences. And I it's funny you already brought up targets because. Lon Chaney Jr. has an incredible monologue in this. It's incredible. And it, it reminds me of Boris Karlov talking about the um, the, the Curse of Samsara in Targets. Is that what the story is called? It reminds me of that moment where all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit, Boris Karlov still got it. And it's yeah. sort of a, a goodbye to the character. Um, Lon Chaney Jr. at this point was... He, he basically was like an alcoholic who he um, looks like it. <laughs> he, yeah, he's, he's very sweaty in this. Um, he's an alcoholic who had um, basically acted to support his family. And he took on his father's name after being strong armed into it almost that that, you know, no one's going to hire you as an actor unless you're you take your father's name. And he fought that a lot. And he is a very tragic figure. And it's it's lovely. That My name is Ron Chaney. 
I love that at the end of his career, he got to give this amazing, this amazing monologue where he's basically like, I'm going to go get you. I'm going to go get a toy for the family. You just have to stay here. It's, it's him basically being like, we're going to, we're going to all go out. We're all going to die. Yeah. I promised your dad you'd all stay together. So I yeah. I see I one option. Family, yeah. I don't know what this family is with, you know, you being traipsed out on display like freaks. I, I, I just love the monologue and apparently on set people recognized like right then and like clapped for him when he gave this monologue because it's like so powerful. And uh, yeah, I, I think it shows through the film. It's like a unbroken camera shot basically of him just just speaking to these, these girls and just letting them know that he's going to take care of them. They yep. just don't know what that means. So it's a very great speech. Lon Chaney, or as we'll now refer to him, Ron Chaney Jr., Ron Chaney um, Jr. Or Long Chaney. Yeah, maybe that was his name. But let's talk about Bruno a little bit as a character. And I get that he is a chauffeur who graduated to patriarch of a mentally deteriorating cannibal murder family. High not, standards. Not great at his job of protecting them. He seems – he still goes on all of his drives and then leaves, like, the murder family just to fend for themselves. And then, like – he still is like, oh, your cousins are coming. Well, I guess we'll just take him in and try not to kill anyone. It's like, I don't know, maybe get him out of the house, Bruno. <laughs> uh, and then, like, the second he's met with any resistance, he's like, I know what I'll do. I'm going to go get this toy. It, like, blows him up. <laughs> he, he makes every wrong decision is what I'm saying. <laughs> but he I, but he basically, during that monologue, I think he explains that he's basically like, that no matter what I do today – if I scare them off today, they're going to come back tomorrow. And if it's not them, someone else is going to come for you guys. It might be the cops. It might be someone else. Like, and it shows you how desperate he is that he's like had to defend them for so long. And it's like his number got called and he's like, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't lie. To- yeah, but even before that, it's like, Virginia, I told you not to kill the mailman when I, while I'm away. He, like, he, he doesn't seem like, like he... He didn't even try and lock them up in a room or anything. Like, he's just... I like, know. He, he doesn't seem like he has... Like, it's surprising that it's been going as well as it has for as long as it has. Because he doesn't seem like he really has the whole plan locked up tight. It's not like he has a whole system that he's worked out that is foolproof. And then these cousins come and throw a wrench into it. He seems like there is just disaster after disaster. And he's only getting away with it because... There's, like, no internet, no phone, and when people get murdered in 1964, <laughs> like, no one notices for at least eight to nine months. They're like, maybe they just drove to a city far away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, um, these people going on this apparently long car ride uh, could have just been doing literally anything else. But uh, yeah, he was like, you know... I think mass suicide is really what's going to do the trick here. He is. I do love it. He's so great. Not just at telling him what he's going to go do, but how he is proud of himself in that last scene. He is fucking psyched. He is like, I figured this shit out. Here's my dynamite. We're doing it. Like, you should run. But I did it. Like, he is so proud of himself for keeping the family together at the end. And it's it, it's something that could be read as offensive. But he's he clearly loves this family. He's yeah. not murdering them because he's like, I don't want to let these freaks out into the world. He's like, they're going to treat you like freaks. They're going to let you treat you like garbage. They're not 
they're gonna lock. They're gonna you separate up. you. Yeah, they're gonna separate you. They're gonna separate you from me. Like you're gonna suffer so much and never live anything resembling a normal life. And here is the only place where that's gonna happen. And he's doing it all out of a, a sense of love. And I, I don't mean to say that uh, a mass bombing suicide is a good reason for a caretaker taker to uh, take out a bunch of his. Um, um, I feel like there's there's not a great uh, analog in the real world for this situation. So it makes it. Yeah, it yeah. makes it less offensive, I think, because there's no yeah. real world analog. Um, I will say. He does use the term uh, retarded to describe them. Well, it's 19. Like, yes, that was, that that was, was the, the word. That was the polite word. That was yeah. like what Negro used to be like yeah. the, the word was polite. And then people co-opted it and made it an awful slur. Yeah. Um, it I mean, just, even I think like, I mean, there's so many. I think that happened with mentally challenged, too. Like then it was like, you know, uh, handicapped or mentally handicapped. Like it's just unfortunately people are terrible. And like as physicians try to find a way to describe an illness or a, a malady or whatever else people like co-opt that to use as a slur so i'm still comfortable with challenged because like challenge just implies maybe handicap like, is the wrong like it's i, I guess they, I they, they've definitely moved past challenged to handicapped but also back there's a whole dialogue and the dialogue is not there because the pc discussion is stupid or something the dialogue is there because they're trying to find the best way with dignity to describe these events right and that i can't and i think in some ways it so that it can't be co-opted i don't know if that's the main concern of the scientific community but i feel like it has to be at some point yeah or at like, some level i guess you want to be like let's make this like two or three words yeah so that it's Less hard for a uh, stupid thirteen-year-old to just toss at somebody, but yeah. But that, I, I wanted to. I wanted to acknowledge that that was the there. There is some. There is some sort of um, uh, recognition that this is like a mental disorder. But the movie isn't really interested in wrangling with that. It's more interested in wrangling with like the emotions behind Bruno having to take care of all these people that definitely, definitely need him, and he can't do that anymore. And they're not trying to give an analog to a real disease. They talk about yes. these are the only three. They, they call it the Mary syndrome after the Mary family. These are the only three people, as Peter tells us at the end, that were ever afflicted. It is described as your brain starting to rot away once you hit the age of 10. Um, and, and, you know, with this movie, I took that literally, not metaphorically. Not like, oh, the brain's just getting bad. Like, I, I had a picture in my head of, like, cells dying and burning off in a weird way. Yeah. Um, and it, that was it's lampshading it, I think, even better than Split did a couple years ago. Split a couple years ago was like, uh, it's a, it's like a weirder version of multiple personality disorder. Uh, it's definitely not regular personality disorder. That's a different thing. Anyways, here's uh, why this is a personality disorder. Yeah, I mean, and we already have the most um, sensitive portrayal of multiple personality disorder in cinema with a little movie called Identity. So you can't top that <laughs> for a sensitive portrayal of a... Real issue that affects some people. You know how all personalities, if you have multiple personalities, sort of live in a hotel, and one of them might be a murderer killing the other personalities that they yeah. need to solve. Yeah, I mean, is that worse than one of them being John Cusack, though? I mean, he's like the best one in that movie. You don't like John Cusack? I mean, it was. He's kind of insufferable right now, but yeah, he's very annoying. But he's um, he's, he's like he's like was well, like my favorite in high school. 
Yeah, but that was um, 90 years ago. And yeah. yeah, he started all the silent movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I uh, what do you... So I want to talk about, so I don't want to kink shame. Kink, I, yeah, get, get in there. I don't want to kink shame. Don't. And I don't want to sound judgy. Because oh. if if your thing is when you get to a hotel room or home or anywhere else, I'm going to put on my lingerie and dance for what feels like four to five hours based on everything going on. Great. Do it. If that's what brings you joy, I want you to do it. Here, even if that's something you enjoy, you're at a house that you've expressed nothing but disgust at how gross it is. I think it was pretty clear from the word go there's something extremely wrong with this family. People are leaving you and you're not happy about that. It feels like a bad time to do a five-hour interpretive dance in your laundry. That's all I'm saying. I, I feel like you're being very judgmental. I, I think I prefaced it. You know how when you say, don't take offense, nothing that can follow can be offensive because yeah. you've inoculated yourself from yeah. any criticism once you say, if you say the code. magic words? Yeah. Yeah. It's the white cis man's code and uh, it cannot be broken. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a vaccine. It's like yeah. you inoculate you yourself say, from criticism. I don't criticism. want to sound racist. Nothing that you say sounds racist. Of course not. Um, but I will say uh, that scene also was hilarious to me because they that felt like one of those producer mandates where they were like, um, we're going to be showing this movie to a lot of uh, perverts, uh, freaks, uh, weirdos. You know, the, you know the type. Uh, and uh, I'm going to need you to... Uh, you made the movie. You know the content. The, the, what's the girl? What's her name with the va-va-voom? Um, she's going to need to wear uh, this. And then he already has the lingerie ready. You're saying the yeah, Andy yeah, yeah. Daly character who runs the... <laughs> the What's his name? I like to do I on, I I on theater guy with Dom DeMello. I think I like to just a little something for daddy. Uh, I like to think that I'm doing my own character that's pulling from similar sources, but you know, um, from, I like to think look, that it was a producer it, mandated it, thing that they were like, they were like, she's, she's a looker. She's got the va va She's got the, you know, the gams down to forever. We're going to need to see all that. But you don't really see it. It's just a lot of dancing. A lot of running though. A lot of running. Yeah, a lot of running. She wears it until Although, she is murdered. Until she's murdered. Uh, the it gives you one of the best visual gags in the movie, which is the doll who has been nailed to the. This is in her room that she's dancing in, by the way. There's like a a lifelike doll, or life shaped uh, a, a doll, a person sized doll, but it looks like felt that's been nailed to the wall, and someone's drawn drawn a spider web all around it, so it looks like the doll is stuck in the middle of the spider web. Not threatening at all. Um, definitely would try to get my kink on at that point um, once I, I saw a direct threat against my life. Um, yeah. You know how most horror movies, if you see a doll nailed to the wall, uh, even if you don't have a spider web drawn around it, you're like, well, between this and literally everything else that's happened from the moment that I've walked in, I should be a little nervous. That's what most people would think, I think. Her right. idea is, okay, well, it's maybe it's not a kink. Maybe it's a compulsion. Maybe Which it's just is, like, this is yeah. what I need to do before I go to bed. It's a medical condition, much like <laughs> Mary disorder, Mary syndrome. Maybe it's an anxious thing. Like, And she's like, uh, I literally need to calm down and go to my uh, lingerie dancey space before I am allowed to go to sleep. 
Do you think this was the start, the, this was the origin of when in 90s teen movies or 80, I guess 80s teen movies, when people would be like, do you, did we not talk about how this movie has a cartoon opening and a theme song? We did not talk about that. I do have the lyrics in front of me, though. Um, do, you, do you want me to go through? The lyrics are really good. Screams and moans and bats and bones. Teenage monsters and haunted homes. Ghosts on the stair. The vampire bite. Better beware, there's a full moon tonight. Cannibal spiders creep and crawl. Can I get a little um, bongo? Uh, hold on one sec. Boys and ghouls having a ball. Frankenstein, Dracula, even the mummy are sure to end up in somebody's tummy. Take a ro- fresh rodent, some toadstools and weeds, and add in old owl and the young one she breeds. Mix in seven legs from an eight-legged beast, and you're all set for our cannibal feast. Sit round the fire with this cup of brew, a friend and a werewolf on each side of you. The cannibal orgy is strange to behold in the maddest story ever told. I'm crossing my arms now. Okay. Thank you. The bongos were on the other side of the room, so I decided to just grab the maracas. You know, I liked Not the interpretation of it. It still added the, the musical ambiance that I wanted. I wanted it to feel like slam poetry, but... Just to be clear, in case you... In Transylvania. What? Where are you? Do you want me to do again? <laughs> I got the bongos now. Oh, okay. So you want me to do again over the bongs? Yeah. Screams and moans and bats and bones. Teenage monsters in haunted homes. The ghosts on the stair. The vampires bite. Better beware. There's a full moon tonight. Cannibal spiders creep and crawl. Boys and ghouls having a ball. Frankenstein. Dracula. Even the mummy are sure to end up in somebody's tummy. Take a fresh rodent. Some toadstools and weeds. And add an old owl and the young one she breeds. Mix in seven legs from an eight-legged beast. And then you're set for a cannibal feast. Sit round the fire with this cup of brew. A friend and a werewolf on each side of you. A cannibal orgy is set to is strange to behold in the maddest story ever told. So I think here's one of the problems with us not being able to find a rhythm on that. You were just talking very Without much expression, to be honest. A I singing would have really pumped it up. Well, you got I think you got to give a little more. Have you ever seen that movie Slam? Did you know they give that a you lot of energy. bongo to any specific beat for that? No, I do, though. Oh, okay, cool. Um, do you have any questions about why I had bongos and maracas at the ready? I got you want to ask? No questions. No questions, Your Honor. Okay. But yeah, so uh, what were we talking about? Uh, Lon Chaney just sings the opening title, and he doesn't do it as well as I do. Um, but he does an okay job. No bongos, though. No bongs. Uh, it, it kind of leans you to believe it's going to be like an Adams Family kind of thing or a Monsters kind of thing. Yeah. When it is not. The movie's not. It's way more modern and, and mean and, and cynical and funny in its, in its interpretation of this. Whereas, like, the Monsters was very much about, like, this is, uh... This is like a family. Same with Adam's family. It's like this is a this is a family, and you, know, snaps, you should too. accept them for the way they are. Although I don't think either of the lyrics to those themes song mention cannibal orgies. I feel like very few, <laughs> very few eps. Yeah, <laughs> it's only the pilot. I mean, the well, the pilot. It, it, they have to say it right after the ad for Winston cigarettes. So here's something that also is kind of weird from a behavioral standpoint. So is Peter, this in your craw? is it a little bit of my craw? <laughs> 
It's up there with uh, lingerie dancing in a murder cannibal house. Um, or any dancing. All normal. All normal. So, Peter, well, I hope you judge this, Peter, or you're going to go right to jail because Peter and Anna go to town. They're like, we're going to stay at the hotel. Clarify they're going to a literal town. They're not just going to town on each other. <laughs> yeah, well, they that's their eventual plan. Yes. But they're like, let's, hey, I don't want to stay in the murder house. Do you want to go? I'm going to go stay at the hotel. You can come with me. And also, do you want to get a drink at the hotel before we, before we go to our separate rooms? And Anna's like, I'd like that very much. And so the next thing we see them, uh, there's a heavy implication that they've had more than a couple drinks because Peter is the drunkest I've ever seen anyone portrayed driving on screen. <laughs> um, like to the point that I don't think if you were that drunk in real life, you would get more than five feet. Um, yeah, I feel like you'd safely find a mailbox and that's about it. So here's. My problem with this scene, here you are, you're you're hitting off with this girl, you're having drinks, getting good and drunk, you have rooms at the hotel attached to the restaurant, and your plan is, hey, how about instead of boning at our private hotel rooms, we go have sex in the murder house? It you know, feels a little poorly thought out. If It's important to keep the spark alive in the first uh, 30 minutes of your relationship. Again, you, you but you have a room. If you're like, I don't know why I'm drunk, I want to go back to that house and have sex, just have the first round in the hotel room that you've paid for that's right next to the restaurant. Why would you drive back? And they, and they seem very disappointed when they get back to the house and they're be- everyone's in up separate quarters and yeah. everyone's up. They seem very disappointed by that. Yeah. It, it, I get it. Like if there's nowhere else to stay, it makes sense. You have a room at the hotel. You have two rooms. You go have sex in both rooms, and then if your own like if you're the defining part of your relationship is we need to have sex in a new location each time, then if you still have the energy and hopefully you've sobered up a little, you go back to the murder cannibal house. That's always it's it's got to be round three. I agree. It's probably round four or five or six after I don't know a dusty old barn that you drove past, um, the back of the car. I mean, Peter's drunk. If he gets one. If yeah. he gets one, he should be pretty psyched. I don't think round two's happening. I think it's going to be... Uh, and then you don't go to the murder house. I mean, if he... I got to tell you. Like, he is... He's drunk, is what I'm saying. Yeah. There's a term for that. Um, I think it's called... Uh, being super drunk. Being super drunk. And uh, old Uncle Peter is just not doing it. Um, I think I agree <laughs> with you there. I agree with you there. There's. It's obvious that that's the way the relationship should go. Okay. But uh-huh. hear me out. Um, no. This movie could have been four hours long and just been uh, three hours of those two porking in a room. But that would have probably been a movie for a decade later. It's uh, two hours of him going, okay, maybe if I just get some caffeine, I can get this thing going. <laughs> oh, sex humor. Humor about sex. Let's talk about sex. Spider bait B. So before we get into final scenes, I just I, I guess I forgot to ask you in our personal lives outside of this podcast. I'm just going to ask you on Mike. Did you do you have the Arrow Blu-ray for this, or did you watch it on uh, Amazon Prime? I watched it on Amazon Prime. How's the restoration look? Oh my god, it is so so good. I would. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely picking that up now. Yeah, it is amazing. It is, you know, in this era of like 
everything being HD and remastered, but like you're not quite sure what you're gonna get at any given time. Like back to back with this, I watched an HD transfer of Lady in the Water for some reason, which is a terrible movie. But the you know the HD looks like garbage, and then you see this, and it's just like so bright and crystal clear, and it has like you can see skin details, and it's like oh my god, this is so so good. Why does Lady in the Water look like shit? Um, <laughs> Um, but it, it's it's really, really good. So, if you like the movie, I would highly uh, recommend picking up the Arrow release. And Because uh, I remember hearing the transfer on Amazon wasn't that great, which is why I think I bought it last year to begin with. It's a, it's a it's above average transfer. It's like a three and a half or something out of five. It's it's um for this a movie of this era. But if they found a good if they yeah. found a good camera negative of this that wasn't too beaten up, I could see them really making it. Yeah, so it looks really great. I haven't dug into the special features. I may at some point, but that's always the fun thing with Arrow, Criterion, and all those other uh, Scream Factory and Shout Factory. They're, the special features are there for you, for you to think about watching someday. <laughs> you know, definitely consider watching um, special features, especially when they get an interview with somebody who is um, 85 years old and sort of loses the train of thought and... and Mostly gives you stuff that you could get from the IMDb trivia section. That old producer's like, I thought we were calling it Spider Booby. I was very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny when you when people are interviewed and you're like, yeah, I know you You seem really miserable. Why did you say yes to this? Yeah, well, you know. Did you just need to talk to somebody that day? <laughs> if, you're, if you're famous, you don't have to talk to telemarketers. You get interviewed on DVD extras. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I still I, donate I, exclusively to the Republican Party. <laughs> uh, yeah, so what? Uh, I feel like we actually talked about most scenes, but um, is there anything else you wanna you wanna grab on? Oh, you mentioned that they were eating a rabbit. I kind of thought it was the cat that she was stalking. I think it. I think it was the cat, but they say it's a rabbit. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's disgusting looking, and I love how how proud. Bruno and Lancini Jr. are. We did the, it! With disgusting yeah. that whole family and like yeah. how like he's like, but like. But again, they're proud because they think they pulled it off. They think they pulled <laughs> it off because they're so, they're so socially. Uh, removed. From yeah. what, yeah, they're removed from what normal behavior is that they're like, they're like, we made a salad, guys. Yeah. Green. Um, grassy. <laughs> oh, that'll be a good Full option fiber. for them. For those that don't want to eat the cat. Yes. And I, I, I love the detail that they're vegetarians because it connects in with raw. Where Yeah, which we just covered last week. Yeah. That eating meat makes you desire meat more, um, which is also just true in real life. Um, the less meat you eat, the less you want meat. One thing that we missed that uh, is the scene where Peter and uh, Anne are bonding over old monster movies. Oh, and, yeah. And then all of a sudden, uh, Bruno just comes in with a... There's going to be a full moon tonight. And it's, yeah. it reminds me of, of Targets, too, a little bit, where it's just like, it's yes, it's referencing the classics of this aging, you know, universal horror actor's career. But also, like, it's kind of showing you, like, we can hint at this stuff and have a little bit of fun with it, but this guy still got it. Yeah, I think have a lot of fun with it is, like, the key to this movie's success, because... It's definitely talking about some gruesome stuff, but again, even the part where the cannibal uncle and aunt come out and start eating people, the movie's tone is like literally having people shrug at the camera with a, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's, it's, 
it, it's like a rock and roll movie before rock and roll took off because it's just like it's, it's sort of like this kind of fucking rules doesn't it <laughs> like yeah. it's, its tone is not necessarily we need to terrify you though there are very creepy moments i think when um virginia gets someone in her spider web her which is a fishing net basically and she has her fangs which is two butcher knives it's genuinely uncomfortable because yeah and the walk that she does is very unnerving with kind of shaping her body to look in some way like a spider would be framed yes all of that stuff is is really great because it kind of when there is a little bit of horror there it helps sell the comedy better i think um because you have you have sort of contrast to play off of that's why a movie like slither works really great because yeah there are moments that are genuinely uncomfortable paired with the funny moments and there's actually something for for james gunn to riff off of as opposed to if it's all a joke you're just kind of like disengaged yeah um but that's kind of it i think i think that's kind of i think that's kind of the movie is that the well it's it is only 80 minutes so and the scenes play out pretty long so there's probably like 10 scenes in the movie but like they give a lot of space to breathe a lot of space to find both the horror and the comedy in there and it just it's such an unexpected movie. We, we've talked before more on like Spooktober or even I think when we did our silent horror month is that like actually having some unnerving or frightening stuff in black and white movies especially kind of just catches you off guard because even though I've seen so many black and white movies at this point that feel more modern in some cases that are the movies that come out now or from the 90s or the 80s is that your just brain is trained to expect a level of safety of those movies. So when you see A Night of the Living Dead for the first time, when you see A uh, Island of Lost Souls for the first time, when you see something like this, you just are so trained into thinking that it's going to be safe. And when it's not safe for either comedic or horrific effect it adds a level of surprise that i think is hard to replicate from most movies that you'll watch i think that's a perfect way to put it uh it's a uh it's a movie that's surprisingly modern and and, and vibrant and active and funny and it kind of accomplishes all of its goals and it doesn't feel like it was made for a different era it feels like uh it was made for um it was made by a young a young director with a very engaged cast uh of different ages and there is such a vibrancy to it there is such a modernity to it that makes it feel that those 80 minutes just like fly by yep it's 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 so fun and you know if you don't want to buy the oh it's not arrow i think it is it arrow or kino arrow it is arrow okay so if you don't want to buy the Arrow release, it is on Amazon Prime, uh, and it's as Peter said, it's definitely worth it. So uh, I would definitely check it out. Um, even though we're past Spooktober, it is November, as they say, Spider Baby, it's cold outside. You know when you hit when you hit those notes, it just it, makes me believe. Uh, I didn't know how much to pull back because it hurt. A little bit. I'm not a singer. <laughs> I'm definitely not a high note singer. So I was like, maybe I should have gone with the lower register on that song. <laughs> but I had already committed. I can't change mid uh, Spider Baby. It's cold outside. A little better for you, Peter. It's, yeah, you're getting there, baby. Any other babies you have out there that you want to talk about <laughs> in, in relation to song parodies and not children that you haven't claimed? <laughs> <laughs> um no I, I can't think of any that i have un- unclaimed um fucking great then let's talk about next week 
I've, next I week, Teddy, I've definitely claimed whether or not they're mine or not is up to the court. Oh, but you've cl- you've like put a little like tag, like mine. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, dibs. You, you have a label maker, property of Peter Moran. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, so next week we're wrapping up the month with uh, Blood Diner, a another movie about a family that eats people because <laughs> that's even though we're covering some great movies. I don't think this is going to be a sell to new people type month. Like, oh, yeah, check it out now. They're doing um, movies about uh, families eating other people. But (laughs) – and here's the other thing about Blood Diner. Another movie I watched in those last couple days of Spooktober. Peter, I remember really liking it. I'm going to be honest. I remember almost nothing about this movie. (laughs) Like, fucking nothing. Like, this and – this is probably the movie. movie. Yeah. So maybe that's why too. Like I, I honestly, I almost feel bad about. It. I watched it. I paid attention. I could not tell you one plot point that happens in this movie. This is like the they apex of. Blood. I kind of remember police showing up to a house at some point. I don't know if that happens, but like I was sober. Certainly, possible. I don't. I don't know what happened at the end of October. I shouldn't have saved this, but now again, just like with Spider Baby, I get to watch it removed. From from the context of watching it with 50 other horror movies in a very short period of time. And uh, again, I remember liking it. So I'm very excited to talk about it. I am too. But uh, but Aaron, right now, keep your spiders safe. That's all I ask. What? <laughs> um... Uh, Mamas don't let your spider babies grow up to be uh, spider adults. Adult babies. Adult babies. <laughs> Which I guess should be adult spiders, probably spider spider adults, spider yeah. grown ups. Because it gets a lot worse when they become old spider moms. Babies. I mean, it is I true. Mean, we saw Do, Uncle Ned, right? Let's be clear, moms don't let your sons grow up to be adult babies. <laughs> that is like the problem. That is that's. I feel like that's just prudent advice. Yeah. For a new generation of moms. I'm going to say, I'm going to end on this. Uh, so, so I will remember it in two months when I listen. M- Maya tonight on that note was saying, uh, nerds are disgusting and gross and they stink. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm like, she's like, nerds, they stink. I hate nerds. They're gross and disgusting. And I'm like, what is a nerd? And she's like, it's like a piece of poop. And I'm like, do you mean a turd? And she's like, yeah, turd. And I'm like, all right. That is, I, I think um, my four-year-old just summed up nerd culture in a better way than anyone has tried to in many, many internet essays. Generation. Yeah, she did. So as, as parents, don't let your kids grow up to be adult babies. Don't let your kids grow up to those stinky, disgusting nerds. <laughs> Good night. Good night. You know you love me, I know you care Just shout whenever, and I'll be there You want my love, you want my heart And we will never, ever, ever be apart Are we an item? Girl, quit playing We're just friends, what are you saying? Said there's another in the right in my eyes My first love broke my heart for the first time And I was like 
Thanks for listening to We Love to Watch. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we've got just a few quick announcements for you. There ain't nothing in the rule book that says that we can't do some of our own plugs, baby. If you'd like to talk to us, uh, tell us we're stupid, tell us we're beautiful. The quickest way to get to us is our Facebook group, facebook.com slash we love to watch. Or our website, WLTWpodcast.com. Leave us a comment. Tell us we're doing a good job. Only tell us we're doing a good job. We're so sensitive. We're sensitive boys. We're soft boys. And uh, if you'd like to help other people, if you enjoy our show and want other people to be able to listen to this fine, fine program that we produce at no cost, We don't get any money for this. You guys have yet to pay us anything. We live and we breathe off of good reviews from iTunes. So if you would please go to iTunes, review our show, give us a positive rating. We would love to get more and more people involved in this show and this community. I know you hear it all the time, but it really does help. And we're also available if you don't use iTunes. We're also available on Google Music, Stitcher, Tune in. We're currently on SoundCloud. We'll take that out if SoundCloud goes away. (laughs) That's it. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned, guys, on our Facebook page especially. We're going to have a lot more polls, a lot more prizes, and a lot more uh, interaction with you guys. So keep it tuned in. Uh, Let us know what you guys are thinking. And again, above all else, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch.